Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to another episode of the Oliver Shira Show. I'm your host, Oliver, and welcome back. Today, this is the third episode in the series with the successful mentalist co-founders and co-hosts Aiden and Ashlyn. We had an interview with each single person, and today it's the interview with both together. This is also going deep, 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 like the other interviews, and it's also longer. So if you cannot handle it, just stop it, come back. Your podcast provider will remember where you have been. Now, Aiden and Ashley have founded The Successful Mentalist in 2020, and they have built it up to something really big. And their big vision, their, what is it, big, hairy, audacious goal is to touch the lives of all magicians around the world by 2040. In this interview, we are going to talk about how Aiden and Ashley believe they can do it or know how they can do it. The path to get there, yeah, big audacious <laughs> goals, how, how goal setting is wrong. Um, and of course, these two guys, you know, they're weird and strange. So the whole interview starts actually with <laughs> Ashley's strange props he has and how Aiden thinks, uh, what Aiden thinks of them. So I do not want to keep you much longer back and want to welcome you to this third episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because I loved it. There's so much knowledge and honestly, it has been a motivator to re-listen those in the post-processing as I think the information is great and the energy these two guys have is just amazing. These two are really opposites and supplements <laughs> to each other, how you call it. They're supplementing each other so well on so many levels um, and you will hear that. Okay. Without any further ado, welcome Ashley and Aiden. This is the Oliver Shira show with the host Oliver and today with two guests virtually uh, on the other side of the ocean, Ashley and Aiden from the Successful Mentalist podcast. And you've heard them both independently the last two weeks on my podcast. So welcome both together again. <laughs> Hello. I mean, it's great to be here. It's uh, yeah, I'm so confused as to what Ashley and you were, were chatting about last week, but I love it. I love it. I love the you energy. Know, something new every day. That's uh, the joys of working with me. You see, I tell you what, Aiden, we've never been actually on a podcast where we've both been interviewed together. It's either me and you interviewing someone, or me and you just kind of chatting to each other. But now, like the tables are flipped. Oh, this is a new energy. It's a new yeah. vibe. Yeah, and, and to confuse Aiden even more, I've been talking to someone when you talk about flipping the table, where the table actually starts. I'm not going to do that here, otherwise too many things fall down. Where the table is starting to shake by the energy it in is. the room. So I, don't I was going to say, that's, actually... that, that's it, or just nervous energy. That's like, <laughs> either way. Yeah, I do not know if Ashley had that kind of experience with all his dead animals and... It happens more than you think, mate, to be honest, with all the haunted stuff I've got in this room. <laughs> there we go. I, I know Aiden also confirmed in the last interview 
that he will not accept any gift from Ashley because he does not know what kind of spirits it ha- it contains. It's true. It's true. We both know it. We both know it. <laughs> what evil trick did Ashley play on Aiden? I might ask. To be fair, all I'd done was informed him about various stories about the objects I own, and he went, nope, that's too much information for me. I'd rather stick with uh, with my good path in life and ignore all of your satanic vibes. So you never had Aiden sleeping over at your place then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many haunted that things is, in here. Yeah, that is definitely a big no-no. I ha- that all stays at home when we go on tour like that's not coming with us like none of it okay you, so, and you're not justifying it as props <laughs> so ashley you don't have any necklaces bracelets or something like that which i uh, usually when i perform which i'll be wearing and uh, i've got a nice old haunted box which i might take with me i've got various different things well we have to we have to work on aiden there i can see uh, get rid of this disbeliefs. I, I, I know some other people, Kedrick Olsen I talked to and uh, C. John Sawyer I just talked to a few days ago. So these people will help you. So let's go to you guys. We have an hour only. This is weird. We, the two interviews before were much longer. I have the feeling we will have a second episode another day, um, you know, with us three talkatives. <laughs> in one room even if it's virtual so yeah let, let, let's start from the beginning you both were born and then <laughs> no and you guys yep, we were both born <laughs> that's a great start we we're both well, born we came we... into the world <laughs> we're not celestial beings we're just regular mortals like uh, everyone listening to this podcast speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> now Aiden goes crazy so h- how did you guys actually meet uh, and, and where was that oh who goes first should we should I, I'll do the intro and then you evolve on the story Aiden that's maybe the best way we met uh through a mutual friend of ours uh a mind reader you know we're we, me and Aiden we love uh entertainment uh we love like silly little magic tricks. So we're, we're mind readers. We, as I said, we're going on a tour and all of that. We do all that awesome stuff. And we have other friends that also do this weird sort of business and a mutual friend of ours, which obviously me and Aiden didn't know at the time, but we was both friends with this guy. And he said, Hey, I know a bunch of people who also do the same genre of magic, mind reading, mentalism. And he went, why don't you guys, uh, why don't you guys come into this Facebook group, have a chat. We ended up chatting with there and, uh, and we all just kind of batted it off. We were like, yeah, this is really cool. And we met at a, a magic convention. Uh, I want to say about three or four years ago now. Uh, one of the biggest magic conventions, I think, in the world, um, Blackpool in the UK. Um, we all met up in person about just around about a year after chatting. And um, we just became friends. Um, there was a whole group of us. And yeah, yeah, time passes. Eventually, me and Aiden set up a business. And now we're here on your podcast. Have I missed anything, Aiden? I'll be honest, that's that's pretty much the story. It was, uh, yeah, just connected through awesome people, kept chatting ideas, sharing ideas and all that stuff. And yeah, now we're, now we're here doing some crazy stuff. So are you guys physically uh, far apart in the UK or are you living in the same city or how is that? We're about two and a half hour drive, maybe three hour if there's traffic. Um, 
so it's not easy to literally drive to the other person but with the joys of the internet you know in the uk as of recording this right now we're in lockdowns we can't really travel that far anyway so all of our work is remote we we sit uh, in our tiny little spaces which we own and uh, and just literally chat through the internet to discuss ideas we have meetings through the internet and it's why like literally how we're recording this right now is our entire lives we set up a business and we ran it literally through this platform so it's really weird but interesting at the same time it, it's nice that there's technologies which allow you to connect which is why i really like it's fun i'll be honest i think we've only ever actually seen each other since we set up the successful mentalist i think we've only We've only ever actually seen each other once. Once, yeah. And that was and that was unrelated to all things TSM. And oh, yeah. TSM being the successful mentalist. It was actually a gig. Right? Yeah, it was through our other businesses, our entertainment businesses. I had a gig coming. I went, Asian, do you want it? It's down my neck of the woods. And uh, and then he arrived. So in like an entire year, we've only seen each other once. One time. Fun fact, that, that trip as well on the way down to you, you say it's two and a half hours, three on a busy day. Seven if your car nearly blows up twice on the way there. Uh, fun <laughs> fact, that happened. Okay. Your car nearly exploded. Oh, yeah, my engine nearly exploded twice. Twice. On, oh, on yeah, the yeah. trip for three hours. This is what they don't tell you, the, the hidden things that come with being in entertainment. <laughs> Or with meeting Ashley because you're so afraid of all the <laughs> satanic uh, his boxes. You come into Kent in the UK and the spirits get you. If anyone crosses the border, yeah, I mean you have Merlin, right? I mean that was saving you from the what was it? Merlin was said to be lived have lived uh, when the Romans came to up to the UK. Is that right? I think so. Maybe I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, so so you only met once in 2020. Obviously, it was also the lockdown time. I guess that played into it. But before that, did you meet regularly um, or only through internet as well after the no. first meeting? No, it was literally just the vast majority of our friendship and knowing each other has been messaging online, like Facebook, Zoom. We, we only ever meet. This is a funny thing. We only ever meet whenever there's a big magic convention, whether there's a big meetup, because although it's like, you know, I say he's only two, three hours up the road. That's still quite far, isn't it? So <laughs> it's a bit of a trek to go there and back. Um, so we usually meet up like really what twice a year. We used to pre pre lockdowns. Yeah, well, we've got the other times we went filming as well on top of that. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, there's some days that we think, oh, you know what, let's let's actually go somewhere, go meet up and, and either film some footage for for, for YouTube or, or we'll just go and film some stuff or just, just catch up. But even still, it's like, that's usually we get a small, a small group together, uh, maybe sort of three or four of us really, but yeah. Okay, so, so the question for me was also when, when you were like this group of like-minded mind magicians and card readers, tarot readers or whatever, um, how comes that you guys kind of stick together and, and the other ones not so much? I I think this is the interesting question because obviously, you know, when we met, uh, I, I was the oldest of the group and there was people going right down to like the age of 15. So and going all the way up to my age and I was around about 18, 19 at the time. Um, maybe 20, I can't remember. <laughs> but I, I was old. I'm the oldest person out of all of us. And um, I think the reason why me and Aiden ended up speaking a lot more because 
as we progressed, as we we were all entertainers, we were all obsessed with uh, th this genre of magic known as mind reading. Everyone kind of went their different ways. Some people decided to take it more as a hobby. Some people decided to take it in more the creator route. They want to create for other people. Some people decided to obviously uh, set up shops. Some people decided to jack it in and quit and move on to other things. And me and Aiden decided we want to move into being full-time entertainers and set up an entertainment business. So mine's Ashley Green Mind Reader and Aiden is Aiden the Wizard. We provide <laughs> entertainment for people. And... Um, and because of that, we was doing a similar sort of thing. So we was always chatting. We was always saying, what's the best way to deal with this client? What's the best way? And, and that we was always chatting about that. And I think that's why we, out of everyone else, have stayed in contact the most because it, we're, we're doing stuff which is so similar to the other person. And I think that's why we set up our other business as well, which is helping magicians, because we, we have the same kind of ways of thinking about business in terms of like the entertainment industry, how we got there, how we worked together, and and it's allowed us to work together and actually set up this other business as as well, really. You know, I think I think a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that uh, that although we're very different, like we're polar opposites in performance character, we're polar opposites in in terms of our, our interests and things like here. Like take the past few episodes. Here's me talking about music and things, and Ashley's talking about well, I've. I still don't know, but we're like we're completely opposite. However, our thought processes and our understanding of, of, the, of the world and, and magic and, and mind reading and all of this entertainment stuff is very, very similar. So it's been really, really great to actually almost like magnets, like opposites attract kind of thing. Like we just stuck together through whatever directions that we were heading to the point that now there are insights that Ashley brings to TSM that I have absolutely no idea on. And I'm sure that's the same vice versa. It's a, a real opportunity for us to play to our strengths without having to worry about, oh my God, you doing the same thing as me. Oh no. And it's the reason we're going on tour together as well, because what we're trying to put out in our show is very much two very different vibes doing the exact same thing like really mind reading or mentalism or whatever you want to call it we're both going out there to do the exact same thing however we're doing it in our completely different ways and that's what i particularly love yeah it's a diversity a diversity is good like we, we've got obviously the similar ways of thinking like especially with the business like i said but the way we perform and and we do have our specific niches like i love video production and you love writing so when we put that down to business it works well in you like mailing lists, you like blogging, I, try, I like YouTube videos <laughs> and making that. So it works hand in hand, like, because we've got our own specialisms, we can focus on that and not have to worry about the things that we're less good at. Okay, yeah, I, I, my first interview was with a friend from Switzerland on, on innovation. I never got to interview his partner, but I remember in that talk, when I listened to you guys, it, it somehow clicks a bit together what he said was um you know some things you're really good and some things you're not so good and if you find the right partner and as you say Aiden likes to write blogs and read a lot of stuff where Ashley likes to videotape and get Aiden's back on 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 the video <laughs> so yeah. he gets his I like to get Aiden on telly for 0.1 seconds <laughs> Aiden's claim to fame there <laughs> 
but uh, so you don't have to fight like because you both like to blog post and you both like to whatever because then it's like oh we should have like some youtube videos for our podcast or for our classes oh shit uh, can you do it no i don't want to do it and then you kind of have to do it that way it, it sounds a lot like you know you found a good mix with the different activities where you say you know what i don't really like that okay i'll take it and you can still keep yourself accountable i guess i i, I think i think the big thing is that it's really come down to that level of innovation that, that we've done it and the reason that we've been in, able to innovate so so well over the past year is that we both have our different strengths and not only do we know uh sort of that we have different strengths but we know very clearly what our strengths are so for for example if, if i'm going to throw out an example early doors when we started tsm one of ashley's great things was actually like and it still is one of his great strengths is actually being able to connect with people reach out to people and actually have these conversations to drive them to a specific what is fantastic uh getting people from a specific uh, position to a certain mindset to then bring that in the bit which in a business is fundamental because if, if we're ultimately trying to get you to listen to our podcast and suddenly ashley sparks up a conversation on a specific subject like it's incredible was able to innovate and get that raw feedback direct from the audience so so quick and so much and still does that's one of the reasons that we're able to then look at tsm and look at the work that we're doing and the business that we're running and just think well actually okay we need some thoughts on this or oh, here's an event that we know a lot of people are going to love actually go do your thing and he just networks with the people because he's gotten in with the community whereas on the exactly. flip side oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to give an example of um, we was running a convention <laughs> and you, and we said to each other, we want we want 500 people to sign up. We got to like two weeks before and we went, yeah, that target's completely un unrealistic. We got to a week before and we were like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. And uh, within that week, I just went, ah, you know, I'll get some people in. What did we get up to? Like 550 people sign up to our convention. It and was we was, nuts. Well, we was competing with an actual mainstream convention that's been running very very well is a very well-known magic convention that's been running for quite the few past few years successfully with like big names big celebs on their side and we pretty much matched them <laughs> with people turning up live we had pretty much the same numbers which is insane oh my god that's yeah but that's awesome so uh, you you talk about innovate very well in 2020 i mean one thing we talked with ashley uh, with his friend telling, you know, some people are looking for the problems, others are looking for the opportunities. That friend of yours actually put a list which resonated with you and you went to bed for two days <laughs> coming up. You were thinking of the problem and relaxing, thinking of the problem, relaxing, and then you had the idea, built the whole thing. And then we talked about the six months of, of trying different things and thinking and welcome back, guys. So we had some Zoom issues. We were talking about the differences in the business and the innovation you guys did. You continuously innovated. And also that Aiden needed to have like this call to action. Uh, you said from March to May, you were thinking and thinking until you sat down and then said, okay, how long does it take? Eight days, zack, and you had the successful mentalist ready. And then throughout the period from May to October, you tried out different things. I feel that actually you tried different networking to get more listeners and 
Aiden did some other stuff. Yeah, we, we tried so much. You know, this is this is something interesting. I think, you know, obviously Aiden in your episode, you touched on it. And I said again, like we had an idea of something we wanted to do. We wanted to set up a business. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew we had the skill set. We, we, we managed to shift our mindset into thinking, OK, we have got a good information to deliver. It's worthy of us to deliver the way we we as humans need to need to put this out there because it would be beneficial and help other people. OK, brilliant. We got ourselves to that point. And it's at this point where most people just kind of think, and then it takes ages and ages and ages and ages and ages to plan a business, plan an idea. Well, yeah, I see point in itself, but it's a common thing. People think they've got to get websites sorted. They've got to do this. They've got to do this, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure Aiden covered it in his podcast, but people often put tasks off and really we went, nah, eight days. That's all it takes us. We built our website. What I spent six or seven of those days trying to build the website made no progress and you had to build the website the day before we launched Aiden in fact on the launch day we were still editing it and it's not the best website in the world but imagine if we waited a year planning and developing our business so that we launched with flashy business cards flashy branding nice graphics we would be starting from scratch you know although we've put something out there and although we've we've gone full guns blazing and yeah our branding's not great yeah our website's not great I mean, we have a podcast in 83 countries. We set up a convention which had over 500 people registered to attend. We have students, we have courses, we have an entire community that follows us, that, that knows us now. And, and that just, just proves the point, right? That sometimes we often overthink how, how much we have to do in terms of just getting a business up and running. Eight days, that's all it took us. And it's a really important point. You it's know, like... It's like the quote, uh, action beats perfection every day or every time. Yeah, it, it, for us, we've got um, sort of an ethos that, that we run by and we used it to set us up with TSM because and there's something else I do just want to touch on as well in that being imposter syndrome. Like a lot of people face that. Like, who am I to, to do this? I, I don't feel like I'm worthy of, of throwing this information or sharing this information. Who am I? to try and deliver value to somebody else. And full disclosure, we are young entertainers who have, we are not full relying full time on our performance career. We, at that time, we wasn't relying on our full performance career for our sole source of income and all of this kind of stuff. We weren't what the magic community believed was a fantastic magician. And there was no other magic company out there that was embedding personal growth, personal development with the real business skills and the real life skills in with magic and mentalism. There was nowhere else doing that. So the fact that we're young, we are not credible by the traditional sense of the community beliefs and that we was doing things that were completely different to everyone else. Well, of course we faced imposter syndrome and truth be told, there are still times that we, we hit that and it's natural. But it really goes down to the belief that we've got and the ethos that we've got at TSM and, and we, we extend it beyond that. And it's now kind of a personal ethos for us both. Working faster, not just harder. Sure, you're going to have to put in a lot of extra work. You're going to have to put in a load of extra uh, time if you want to do that. And you can, it can be a tough sort of grind or the hustle, if you like. But really, you don't have to do that. 
when Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, sort of way back when, I think it was 2009, he started talking about hustle and the hustle culture. People believed it meant working hours upon hours upon hours and grinding and, and doing all of this crazy stuff that is commonly associated with setting up a business. But that's not what he meant at all. And you hear him talk about it in the recent interviews. He didn't mean that at all. And that's kind of why we run TSM the way we do. We're working faster. We want to innovate. We want to get these ideas out there because at the, at the end of the day, we don't know whether an idea is going to work. We don't know whether it's going to be well received. And if we spend loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of time really thinking about every meticulous detail to really get it into a great position with all perfect branding and it looks absolutely amazing. And suddenly we take up graphic design because now apparently we have to do that to look good. And then we have to be web developers so that we can actually have a good web. If we have to do all of that just to be able to throw an idea out there that then nobody likes, like what's the point? It's a lot of wasted energy. So that's basic. That's like fast. Um, fast uh what is it fast innovation or creative thinking or whatever it is like you know make like test the idea before you go deep kind of like that's what you say it's much more than that though isn't it it's much more than working faster not harder all of that it's it's much more than that we've got a mission which is to improve the quality of lives for magicians across the globe for by 2040 for the delivery of our transformative techniques and teaching and all of our, all the stuff we're doing. It's our duty to put it out there. It's not just, oh, we need to do it out there to make a bit of money. We need to do it to make ourselves famous, blah, blah, blah. It's our duty to put this out there. Aiden so rightly said that we've set up a company which combines a world of personal growth, development, the business skills, the performance skills, the mindset skills that people need to actually thrive and be comfortable and be happy in their own entertainment businesses. It's our duty to support entertainers. And, and when you put that weight on your shoulders, it's important to now get this information out there quicker, sooner rather than later. And especially at the moment, like I said to you in, um, in our, in our podcast, Oliver, you know, there's a lot of entertainers struggling at the moment when they don't need to, you know, I've outlined and I've proved myself that there's plenty of opportunities within the entertainment industry. I'm living proof of that. Yet it's hard for entertainers to see it. And, and that's why it's so important, especially at the moment to really put our resources out there to not faff around over branding and website design because the information is so much more uh, meaningful and impactful than fancy graphics and that. The stuff we're putting out there is, is genuinely life-changing. We're not teaching silly little magic tricks. We're changing stuff which affects people and improves people and changes lives. It's our duty to put content out there because people need it now more than ever. So what is like... No finding the right English word, just the, the core of, of, of how to change a person. What, what is like the first thing you want to help people to change their lives? I mean, you say it's not the cheap magic tricks, but what is like the core, like the first thing people need to change so to continue? You know, I think it depends on what we're looking at at the time. And I say that and I'll boil it into two real clear ways. If we're looking on uh, sort of within magic and we're looking within sort of the mentalism and that kind of world of things, then what we're looking at is we're challenging a belief system. We're challenging a belief system that has come from the art and through the culture and it has been developed like this way for decades upon decades upon decades. Like in the history of magic, it has been filtered through to a specific set of beliefs that 
personally, I, I don't agree with. And I know that Ashley doesn't as well. There's a lot of things that we're having to disrupt and challenge and we're having to, to really tackle the industry and rewire all of those beliefs. So our first step, that's why we're business performance and mindset at TSM. We can teach you all of the business techniques so that you can go and get more gigs. Great. We can teach you performance skills to become a really great performer. Awesome. But we need to teach you the mindset to at least let you be open to the business and performance techniques and also change your life from there. It's a new way of thinking, a new wave of thinking. So we challenge the belief systems within magic. But if we want to go beyond that, and this is the second thing, and this is where the personal growth, personal development, and we are about to expand into the world of biohacking for our <laughs> audience, because why the heck not? How cool is that? But we're, we're expanding into that way. So what we're having to do now, if we really want to change people's lives and change people as people, it's an identity shift that we're going for. We have to shift a person's identity because we can change a belief system. Great. We can give people the tools and techniques. Great. But if they don't change as a person, as through their identity, well, they're just going to be the same person doing other stuff. And that is the quickest way to imposter syndrome and these sort of authenticity issues that there is. So that's what we're really facing. We're trying to change identities and improve those in, in a great way. We're not trying to make everyone join a cult or anything like that. We're not saying this is the exact formula that you that you need. But what we are saying is that here is a toolkit. Here is a toolkit of approaches. Here is an idea that will help you elevate your life, change your life in a any specific direction we're just here to help support you through the progress you know you've actually just touched on that um something there Aiden, which has made me kind of realize that this whole imposter syndrome do you reckon maybe that's why there's a lot of problems with the entertainment industry especially like when people make it with like the drug abuse the mental health issues because they don't know who they are they're not confident they don't believe that they should get what they want and therefore they suffer inside their own heads and there's that that pain and they and they were never actually taught how to how to be themselves and how to be one with themselves i would say that's uh, definitely a heavy contributing factor there are so many uh, artists and, and performers and entertainers out there that that when you talk to them they say oh i, I got my lucky break in this sense oh this is how i i got to here very very uh, very often it's the case that you hear about the good things, but don't hear about the bad. And it's the full journey that I'm most interested in. That I, I, because that is so transformational. And the people that, and when you start reminding yourself of only the good things, only the highs, you try and ride the highs too high and you end up obviously hitting the lows too low. It's a natural state of mind. It's just the way the mind works. We're trying to go for equilibrium. But if we're just trying to think of all the good things, all the positive, all the amazing, and that becomes our, our story, our identity in that sense, it's reshaping that identity so that when we get to this point of peak fame or peak performance in, in the entertainment industry or in any industry for that matter, we're only remembering our history of successes and breaks and the amazing things. And we don't go back and be vulnerable. We don't go back and look at all of the other things that helped us get to this point that were painful, that were, that were tough, that were challenging, that were allowing us to grow and, and build ourselves from there. We don't address that. So that when we get into these positions, we only see the highs and the amazing things. And when a low hits, it's 10 times more powerful, purely because it's not our identity to fail or do something wrong. And uh, I, th I think that's where it comes into play. I, I just get the quote from Rumi, you know, this whatever, I think Indian 
whenever <laughs> philosopher scientist uh, the the wound is where the light shines strongest or the light comes in strongest something like that so like where you have pain that's where you grow most but i was also thinking when you talk like that i'm i have the feeling i'm more on the opposite i forget all the great things i achieved and focus solemnly on where i failed so you know I, how do you see that with your experience with the people you interacted it's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum isn't it like what aiden what we just spoke about there is the, is the people who make it and they they focus on the fame and kind of forget about all the negativity and like aiden said when it hits it hits but then there's other people who if they progress through or even if they don't like entertainers for example that they, they don't get their big break entertainers that want their big break and don't get it and they, they they're not living the life they want they don't know how to live their life they want and it's very easy to focus on the negative and it's it's probably the same things that come up there and again that links into why we're trying to do the stuff we are at tsm not only give people the tools to succeed and do what they want to do but also just make sure that they're happy with themselves that the goals are aligned with their with their complete life vision that they've even got a life vision that they know what they want to do they know how they want to make an impact on the world even if they do want to make an impact in the world and this, this is what we're trying to bring in because um there needs to be a, a middle ground doesn't there like if you're thinking so much and every day you're thinking about the negatives and that's going to have an impact and like Aiden said if you're going through every day and you're drowning out the negatives to focus on the positives yeah that's going to make an impact you know this reminds me of something we covered in our podcast Oliver, where I was saying that I was grateful for all the negatives I went through in my day jobs because it led me on the path that I was on. I'm really grateful for that. It was stressful at the time, but without it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be on a podcast with you. Without it, I wouldn't have a business which is successful in 83 countries. Without that, I wouldn't be performing for the crazy fees and performing all around the world. That little negative was just a really beautiful and impactful moment that, that made me change the decision of where I take my life. So I think, I think that's it. It's just, just becoming clear and just understanding yourself and being at one with yourself and, and having a balance of the negative and positive thoughts and, and not looking at them in the extremes that they can be viewed as. Yeah, beautiful. You know, there's, there's in our, so we've got a, um, currently a, a seven week course for magicians. It's called Learn to Thrive and it's essentially taking them from wherever they are right now into their, their thriving entertainment career. And the first thing that we, and it's split in business performance mindset in that, in that order, except the first week before we even start teaching them the skills that they need in magic, in their mindset, in their performance, in the business, like before we even do that, we have a week dedicated to their life and career vision. So that people who haven't thought about this stuff can think about this stuff. For the people that have no idea how they're going to run their business and, and what they want their business to look like, they can now shape that. You know, Oliver, there was something that we spoke about saying that for me, I always thought I wanted to go into full-time magic. That was the belief. I wanted that. I was desperate for that. I was craving that. But actually, when I thought about it, I didn't want that. I just wanted something different from the norm. I wanted something different. And of the, the 10 people that we've had through our beta test program, I'm sure they won't mind me saying that six or seven of them don't want to chase magic full time. They want to do it part time alongside another job, another job that they get fulfillment and they, they enjoy and they can chase and, and pursue a, a career in that sense. But the magic is their release, their, their thing that they really, really enjoy on the side, another flow activity. It's something that they, they can really enjoy. And 
And that's why we throw that out first. And then we start challenging the mindset. We look at imposter syndrome and failure. And the big insight that came from that week was actually reshaping failure so that people actually, rather than seeing it as a failure, they see it as an inconvenience that everyone sees their, their failures as actually is an inconvenience. It's just a stepping stone to the next point. And when you start thinking like that, it's that mindset shift. And when you start changing that belief system, you change your identity, you're going to go 10 times further than ever before. Uh, and that's why we train that up first. Yeah, it's, 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 it's reminding me a bit of Mr. Green, whose favorite color is green for no other <laughs> yeah oliver asked me what my favorite color was and i was like you're i'm here on your podcast my name is ashley green it is quite blatantly green <laughs> <laughs> yeah weirdo um <clears throat> now i lost my um my train of thoughts i i have an overdose of podcast today i guess i sh should have some uh, relaxation <laughs> so you know there's something that's really really strikes me as being Uh, a big a big jarring factor that regardless of career we see the same themes um and, and this is in the work that i'm doing in the people that ashley is talking to and 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 we see it an awful lot when it comes down to this failure in imposter syndrome and, and life vision all of it it all comes down to that same thing and that people just think they know what they want and they don't think enough people don't think enough or, or they don't think in the right way and that's because again we've got this belief system we've got this mindset that's drilled into us as uh, through the education system and through these other places and beyond it's a, a fixed mindset like we spoke about it uh, in terms of creativity creativity is slammed shut in education and in schools when people are picking their subjects it's like okay <laughs> you go and do your rt your performance skills you're a creative well i'm not picking those because I want to do science, math, and biology. Well, I'm not creative. And like, that's where the divide happens instantly. And this right. is what happens so much. And people don't question. And when people start questioning things. Yeah. And that, that that's been, world. Yeah, it's, I think the people which are questioning everything are the ones which are getting successful. And, you know, other people are choosing plumbing instead of creativity. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just, who said it i think it was a mind valley class or something talking about edison that his mom got a letter from the school and when she was reading it she was supposed to read it aloud to to edison thomas edison was his name right um and she she read it aloud and said something about the lines Oh, uh, dear Mrs. Edison, uh, we are sorry to inform you our um, our skill set and, and the resources we have at the school are not good enough for your son. Your son is way too intelligent. Therefore, would, would we like you to school him home, right? Um, now, Thomas Edison became a genius. Uh, wasn't it the one which said uh, I had 99 uh, at tried attempts to make the light bulb and the 100s worked he didn't look at it as a failure he just said that's the path you have to take to get there and he did many many more things now when his mom died he went through all the belongings to find out what to throw away what not he came across the letter and the letter basically said your son is a retard we can we do not have the resources to take extra classes for him and he just saw that his mom said, no one is going to tell me 
how I look at my son. And she put all the effort in changing his mindset. And Ashley also, Ashley and you both now talked about the schooling system, putting things in the head. And that was also part of my master thesis, reading, you know, you need to read stuff to, <laughs> to then citate. I mean, for me, that's so weird. You cannot come up with your own things. You have to citate everything and to make it worthy in our society, uh, not everywhere else. But it was also written from a Danish uh, author that in Denmark, you have the scientist and like the math and the physics and all these things are in the beginning of the school, right? You open the door and you get all these hardcore classes. And then the creative classes are at the end, like architecture, drawing, dancing, music. That's all at the end. You have to go through the whole school to get there. And the problem also, what, what I remember from that book is, why not cross-pollinate the ideas of mathematics with music or whatever, dance mathematics and so on. That's where the creative ideas come out, right? Mm. You know, you... There, was a, there, there was a documentary that I think I mentioned in, in our episode, The Creative Brain on Netflix. There, there was a school that was uh, about to sort of shut down. They were on the, the verge of shutting down. There wasn't enough people coming to the school. The grades weren't great. The, the local community over in America, the local area just basically said, like, we've got X amount of time you need to fix the school if not it's closing down and the first thing that they did is they radically changed all of their lessons and they made creativity the fundamental part of the entire education program every lesson if it was maths well they were looking at images with lines and colors and, and shapes and like seeing visual creative because that allowed the analytical people to sit and look and understand it from one direction but then you saw the creative seeing the colors and the shapes and the dynamics and the abstracts like they're seeing it from a new thing and it, it paved a new way of learning and in just a short amount of time by embedding creativity as a core philosophy in every subject math science english you, you name it it was in there they actually got they turned the school around and they got to the point where there was a waiting list they were at maximum capacity they'd grown and they've got a waiting list for students coming actually into the school and that was the only big decision they made they they took the the entire progress and they just flipped it and said right let's put creativity in the middle let's see where it goes and it changed everything it's it's profound yeah we've both covered this haven't we like at the moment school you're not taught to live life you're taught to fit in and fit into someone else's vision of society you're not taught to fit into your own vision like you're just a number on a spreadsheet and that's all you'll ever be until you die. And that's a sad part of life for the vast majority of people. And it starts at school. The schooling system's corrupt and it's broken and it needs change. It's, it's, I mean, I've heard that so many times. Also my friend in Switzerland, she got like, Jesus, my son has to learn everything by heart. When you have more information in your smartphone, we, we still have the same schooling as we had 1850. Uh, but everything else has changed the way we live, the way we interact, the way we travel, the way we learn, basically, uh, everything has changed, but that is still the hierarchical way. When books were so expensive that you could not take them home, of course you had to learn by heart. Look at Aiden's uh, room he's in. <laughs> it has more information than these people could afford all a lifetime. And we still have the same schooling system and the same beliefs. And Mind Valley, that's how we met, right? Through the connection through Mind Valley. Vision is also talking about the rules, bullshit rules, and the culture scape, which 
basically tells you what to believe and think. And this is also what I try to break down for myself. It's like, what is a real belief I hold in my soul, in my being, in my heart, wherever it is? And what is what I believe I do? You know, it goes back down to that beliefs and identity, being able to shift your beliefs and shift your identity. It, it gives you a power that you're never taught and that you can't comprehend and this is all well and good that we can sit here and tell you, oh, yep, this is the way to fix and change your life. It's to change your, your beliefs and change your identity. And it's like, yeah, we can say that and you can either listen and think, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, move on. You can listen and think, yeah, I, I believe in that. But it takes a special kind of stupid to be able to say, yes, I get that. I believe that. I'm going to try it for myself. And when you're that stupid and i'm saying stupid i'm not saying you're an idiot for trying this i'm saying you're seen as an idiot because it goes against that culture scape and that belief system that everyone else has when you're stupid enough to do the right thing for yourself it unlocks so many doors it's a world of possibility it's a fast pass to a more fulfilling life an intentional life a happier life a successful life in a way uh, or in a world sorry that is completely out of whack it's out of the system and it, it transcends education. It goes into work and it goes into that entire life belief as well. And it's something that I'm I'm a huge advocate of, of breaking free from the, the, the beliefs that everyone lives the same life. You've summed that up perfectly with the word stupid. You know, um, I, I saw a meme, but it's actually really true online. So sorry to bring up a meme in an intellectual debate on this um, conversation. But it, it was it was quite simply the, the the drawing on this was saying that people go through life and they'd rather rather listen to a, a reassuring lie than an inconvenient truth. People follow the path of, of least resistance and um, resistance, resistance. And what you said there about stupid, it takes a special kind of stupid. You know, when you break free of these rules, people do view you as stupid. When we set up our company, we said to each other, when we knew from the offset, we've called our company the successful mentalist, yet we're not the successful mentalist in the world. People are going to view us, going to judge us, call us stupid. And no doubt there are probably millions of people. But now when they look at us, they're like, oh, bloody hell, boys, you're actually doing really well. You know, when um, no doubt when you quit your job, when I quit my job, there, there were people and we know there were that didn't believe in us, didn't believe we could do it. And they would just go, that's stupid. What a silly decision. But then the time between and when you make it, then they're like all supportive. People will only support you when they see the rewards, but they never support you during the, the stupid period where you've got to make that decision. You've got to make that silly little jump yourself. And, and it's hard. And that's the hardest thing for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs getting through the little, as you've described, the stupid period to get to the first reward or the second reward. And I definitely can see you there. It's, it, it really needs to, that's why you actually can separate the real friends from whatever, the followers or whatever it is. Because the real friends will say, okay, I think this is quite stupid, but you believe in it. So I'll support you, whatever not. And, and, and the other ones will just follow up later on. Sometimes, but at the same time, you will face a lot of real friends that say and family members that say i don't believe in you i think you're silly and they are real friends but they just don't believe in you because they don't see the vision they don't they don't think it will all come to light you know when when i was talking about leaving a job as an estate agent people were like what you want to do magic you want to you want to be an entertainer they, they, they didn't understand what i was feeling and what i was going through and so there is that yeah, yeah, I, I guess it will allow you to 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 sort the good friends from the bad friends, but not all the time. 
I think you will have a lot of good friends that still don't believe in you. Yeah, but I mean, they might support you. That's what I mean. I mean, but besides like just leaving you on the side and say, whatever, just go your way and I'll find you in the homeless home or whatever it is, or as a drunkard down the street. Uh, and the ones who say, okay, if you need help, I'm here. If everything goes bad, you have a couch or whatever it is. Uh, even if they believe you're stupid for taking that decision. <laughs> you know, in, in his book, Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield, I was actually rereading it earlier today. Um, there, there was one of the things that the biggest problems to get in our way when we're trying to get something done and do and actually do the work. One of the biggest things that gets in our way is our friends and our family because of the belief system troubles, because we're going against and doing things differently or 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 anything like that. But he also outlined six allies, which will be in a podcast I'm actually recording this afternoon for um, for Stop Existing um, called Stop Wasting Time. And at the end of that, he, he, he talks about six key things that are allies, the, the big players that can help you do the work. And, and interestingly enough, it's friends and family uh, on that list as well, because they're the people that will not only hold you back and, and put you in this position and, and slow your, your progress and stop you taking the, the stupid jump, if you like, but they're also the same people, just as you're saying, Oliver, they're the same people that will catch you if you fall. And I think that's a really beautiful distinction to actually make. Okay, yeah. I could go deeper into it, but we are a little bit limited uh, with Ashley having another meeting afterwards. When I say four o'clock, I'm four o'clock UK time, by the way. Oh. <laughs> That'll be five o'clock. Do you mind if I take a pause to use the toilet, by the way? Again. Then, uh, let's uh, take a short pause because Ashley has uh, been drinking too much uh, <laughs> bulletproof stuff. <laughs> okay let's take a break and uh, meet you in five and well, welcome okay. back so we just record again sorry aiden i just overruled you <laughs> yeah we had a little break thanks to uh trying out bulletproof uh coffee and brain alternative brain fork uh, uh, equipment we talked before the break, we talked about the six things helping you, uh, supporting you or being in your way of being stupid, as you guys like to call it. Now, for me, what was in my head was like the identity shift. How, how do you actually go there? I mean, you might be stupid enough in a good way to say, Jesus, I've always thought I'm this person, but I'm not. I should change my identity. But from accepting that to actually change the identity, how do you do that? I think it's helped us we work together, you know, especially I'd be interested to hear your 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 part from this because I know you've got a lot on this Aiden, but just for me, going through, you know, we've known each other ages and we we was always speaking and and having someone that I could speak to, having someone to outline certain things, that's the most powerful thing, especially when launching a business, when going through that it's a, not only a support, accountability, but it is someone to recommend new things, recommend new ideas, like you should be doing this and that. that that's what really helps. And I always say in our business, the successful mentalists that uh, there's power in community that's why we're so community focused because if you can find a good community and if you can find one which isn't like what what you said there Aiden like the blockers getting in the way of letting you achieve what you want to achieve and climb the stupid mountain to get to all the success that you deserve 
when you can find a good community, then you can have those people that will help you shift your identity, that will help you learn new things. You'll be able to learn from their experiences, grow from their knowledge. They'll be able to connect you with other like-minded individuals, which will then help you grow in turn. So for me, really, is community finding one person or a group of people that can help you, support you through that, that, that is what's powerful and that will support you especially through those days where you don't have motivation where you're worried about this where you've got a bad email from a client or even if you're struggling on a business decision if you can have a network and a community to go to bingo bang done you know it, it connects with something like it's great to have this community and, and for some people they might be thinking oh yeah great i've got some good friends i can chat to and and share this thoughts but we're not really we're not really like that in that we're, we're not really fully committed to, to each other's growth or we're not fully committed to each other's ideas just yet and that's fine because we've all probably got friends that, that we're, we're open and we trust and we connect with but could we go to them with a big life decision and ask for their honest thoughts when and they get it truly deeply and, and they understand probably not and this comes into something that keith farazi calls co-elevation and it's the idea that you commit to actually going higher together growing together, developing together, expanding, achieving, learning together. And this is really, really important. And this is something that both myself and Ashley have done. We did it early doors in that we, we kind of recontracted, again, another Keith Ferrazzi term. We recontracted our, our friendship, our relationship to identify like, what is it that we're going to be doing? Okay, we're going to be setting up a business together, which means that we're going to have a lot of pressure, which means that if we're going to have a lot of pressure when we don't work out the right way of doing this, we're going to get burnt out. We're also going to fall out, which is something that we really didn't want because we've got such a good long lasting friendship. We didn't want to have risk this problem of if we go through the business and six months in, suddenly we have an argument and the whole business collapses. Like we're committed for the long haul. So by being able to recontract your friendship, it just changes everything. And, and recontracting your friendship, it really can be as simple as saying, hey, I'm looking at doing some deep inner work to learn more about myself and grow. Are you able to support me? Is this something that you're looking at doing yourself? If not, you can try a different approach. Literally connect and ask somebody, hey, I'm looking to learn more and sort of shift my identity and become a better person in these areas. Is this something that you want as well? And the joys when you're talking to your friends and your friendships and your networks is that you should know them well enough to know the right people to recontract and, and co-elevate with. Because there's no point me being able to jump to somebody that is like a, a, an old school friend and being able to say, hey, I'm about to do this. Do you want it? Like, we don't have the frequent contact. We don't have the frequent communication. Just won't work. So that's a, a really useful point on top of that, Ashley, that's, that's really important. Yeah. It actually reminded me of something which is which is really powerful and especially when you are setting up a business with someone else like I think we're really good at keeping friendship friendship and business business and like whenever we're doing stuff with business yeah there's times which are stressful in that but we've never actually had like a business argument how many people get into business as partnerships how many people work together in businesses whether they're family friends or just colleagues and they have arguments because they disagree on certain points we have things what we disagree on but we work together to find the best solution and we find the thing that works best together. And, and that that's really beautiful. Like we understand so clearly what we want to achieve that we never have an argument. Even if we disagree with each other on something, it's just like, okay, what's the best thing that will work? And then it's like, it makes our job so much easier as well because we know exactly what we're doing. 
and we've recontracted our friendship in that way. It also connects something that you've said that really, really resonates, and that's the fact that we, we've already got a commitment and we've already got a focus. And for us, we've thrown out our big, big business mission. We, we, we know what we're doing. We said it earlier. It's to, to improve the quality of life for all magicians across the globe by 2040 through the delivery of our transformative techniques in business performance and mindset. That's what we're doing. We have a commitment together, at least until 2040, to work on what does the most impact, what actually allows us to improve the quality of life. We're not arguing over, oh, what shade of red should we have on this branding? It's like, okay, we might disagree. Let's just pick something and go with it because that's not going to improve the quality of life for magicians across the Like It's a real reassurance here. Oh, come on, the right red, right? It's attracting and it's, it's magically the energy around it will just put them in the right. No, but I can see one thing from your mission statement. I mean, did you place that mission statement when you said, let's do something together or? It actually came in a little a little while afterwards. We, we tidied it up afterwards. We knew that we wanted to, to launch something in magic that was slightly different, that connected personal growth, personal development. And we knew that, at the time we was doing a lot of mindset exploration both personally like myself and also with Ashley we were both working and talking through all of this and so we knew that they were really our pillars uh, kind of we we've kind of formalized it and tidied it up after I can't remember how long maybe a, a month two months after launching and we formulated the big sort of mission statement and now we've plastered it on our website uh, it's, it's on the home page yeah I think it was something that we always uh it was always our mission statement, but we just didn't know how to write it down. Like we always knew that that's what we wanted to achieve, but we just didn't have it on a piece of paper and we couldn't put it in word form. It was just kind of like, we felt that it was something which we should do. And then through setting up the business, we just kind of like actually developed it into something a little bit more literate that we could display and actually share with people to show that, Hey, this is our big mission. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Because, you know, change the lives of all magicians around the world by 2040. This is not a small goal or mission. So this is like what we talk about. Vishen Lakiani is talking a lot about that. And Tim Ferriss as well. I mean, on the last two years, I haven't listened to him really. Or Tony Robbins, I'm sure. The bigger the goal, and, and who? what's his name? Uh, what was it? The, the Moonshots or something. It's, he's Indian. And he's also saying... The, 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 Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain. I listened twice on Tim Ferriss. Uh, I was just like, this guy is crazy. He's so grounded, but he builds so big companies. And it's like this big, big mission statement or vision or goal you have. And even if you only uh, get halfways, you still... You know, can, can, let me, let me, can I just run with that for a second? Because I think this is really, really fundamental for especially the identity shifting. So... We have um, a big mission at TSM. Naveen Jain, he wrote the book Moonshots. I think that's probably the book yeah. that you're referring to. Yeah. So again, I was about to say fantastic book. It's actually one that I don't own, uh, but I know it's a fantastic <laughs> book because I've done a course with him talking about moonshots and stuff. And like, I, I really resonate with his thinking and something that he said, and it really blew my mind when I first heard it. And it's that it takes the same level of energy and commitment to achieve a big goal as it does to achieve a small goal. So why not go bigger? And that's what we've done. We've gone bigger. We've created our MTP, our massively transformative purpose for TSM. It's the big 
uh, some people might recognize it as BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. It's the big, <laughs> huge, big mission that we, we throw out there that we know that we've got to work our asses off to actually get. And the truth is, are we able, are we currently able to improve the quality of life for all magicians across the globe? Well, first off, no, we, especially when launching, we were not at that point yet. So it's allowing us, we have to shift our identities because if we're going to hit that mission by 2040, we've got a date stamp, we've got a countdown timer going. We have to shift our identities to allow that to happen. And for those not wanting to go and start a business or go and create this huge impact in the world in that sense, it can come internally as well. So I've got three MTPs, massively transformative purposes, that I spent a lot of time creating and curating. And in fact, last week I changed one of them. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But my three big missions, and these are like missions that if I was on my deathbed, and as you said, Oliver, like I look back at my life and think, have I got close to these? Have I achieved these? Well, if I achieved them, yes, I'd be incredibly fulfilled. I'd be incredibly happy. But even if I came slightly close, or even if I just got started, I would be really happy that I've made some progress. So my three are quite simply the big one is give life back to a world that is just existing. Give life back to a world that is just existing. That's my, that's my thing. We all do the same version of life. And we've spoken about this earlier in this episode of the podcast. We all run the same sorts of lives. And I, I want to make sure that people can take the stupid decision and, and do what it is that they're comfortable with. And so that's one of my personal missions. Everything I do is trying to help that mission. The second is quite simply to redefine the global perception of magic as an art form. Magic all over the world is so varied, so different. Over in India, they're still playing with like silks and umbrella productions, which were great in the UK a couple of decades ago. It's like old school magic over there. But at the same time here, we've got like more the rise of Darren Brown and mentalism and over in magic and in sort of America, it's very, very different. And I'm sure it's the same with you, Oliver. It's magic all over the world is very different and varied. Yet everybody describes a magician as a guy that pulls the rabbit out of the hat. I don't like that. I hate that. I despise it. I have never, there was, well, that's a lie. I've only ever once seen a magician pull a rabbit out of a hat, a hat. And that was Penn and Teller. They were doing it to prove a point on their show. That's the only time I've ever seen it done. I have never seen a performer do it. So redefine the global perception of magic as an art form. That's an ongoing project that I've been fascinated with for years. I really want to update and modernize magic. In addition to that, the third one, it was quite simply cultivate a lifestyle that allows me to pursue my passions. Cultivate a lifestyle that allows me to pursue my passions. And I really, really wanted to do that. And that was the thing. If I had a, a life that would allow me to go and explore these interesting things, like Oliver, we spoke about this in, in our other episode, that I've got this addictive personality and that I love learning about new things. And when I find something I enjoy, I go full on, I go full deep in it. And like Ashley can attest to that. It's that was it and i i just felt it was too wordy and it I, so i i tidied it up and now it quite literally is just do cool shit that's it that's that they're, they're my three give life back to a world that's just existing redefine the global perception of magic as an art form and do cool shit i'm happy with that what okay. am i having to do now i'm having to change my identity I'm having to be the guy that can give life back to a world that's just existing. I'm having to be the guy and learn and grow to be the guy that can help redefine magic. I'm having to be the guy that can actually go and do cool shit. 
because I'm not that guy right now. So it's a growing, it's a learning, it's a pull. I'm being pulled to something bigger. And that is the fundamental for me of an identity shift, bigger thinking. Yeah, and I just see meeting you guys in this nice place with the tigers, which just like come out and disappear again. <laughs> no, I, I definitely can see what what you're talking about. That's that that's such a great answer to how to change your identity. It's by changing your perception about yourself, kind of right, in a short nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, change, changing your perception of yourself, your purpose, and actually the life and the world around you. If you can change that and start challenging the way of thinking, challenging the norms, challenging the brawls, finding the brawls in the first place, escape that culture escape, find out what it is that you want to do and start making that intentional just choice to live something different and do what it is that you want to do in that sense. Like that's a free ticket to, to everything that we've spoken about. Yeah. And and it's called massively transformational. Uh, massively transformative purpose purpose a purpose yeah and that's uh, one of the mind valley classes you did or was that something else so Stephen Kotler actually developed um, a, a process for this. He calls it the passion recipe. It is actually included in the Habit of Ferocity quest on Mind Valley. But yeah, it's you can also find the full stages of the passion recipe. He wrote a, an article on Forbes that describes that. So uh, yeah, that's really, really good. And it it's all about actually lining up your curiosities into and tying them all together to find things that you're passionate about. And then from those passions, finding the big uh, problem that you'd like to see fixed, tying it all in, summarizing it all up, bam, you find a mission statement. Yeah. Being able to talk to animals would be helpful. <laughs> Why not? Why not? That could be, that could be a very valid, valid, massively transformative purpose to improve the connection with animals across the world by understanding the way i don't know insert words here but like you get it if you really really think that that's a problem that you'd like to see solved in the world bam throw it out there and uh, people it, it, it's it's definitely one of the issues when i when i say like oh animals are stupid i'm like chisley how can you think that a cat or a dog is stupid when you see how they react on you how can you say they don't have feelings or emotions i mean uh, well, that goes off this episode uh, of the podcast. We can next time. I mean, I see Ashley. Oh, Jesus. On, on the little screen, I see Ashley there. I see already like a few black cats and stuff like that on his shoulders and a raven on the head. So um, <laughs> that could be like a perfect episode. <laughs> Love it. I think we need to make it happen, to be quite honest. <laughs> Ashley talking to animals. So that's it. The next episode that we're on, Ashley's going to be talking to ast uh, a astronauts. I don't know where that was going. Ashley's going to be talking to animals, and I'm going to be dressed as Sully. There you go. <laughs> with an oh, with an intravenous coffee as well uh, and a clear pen. That's a continuity joke across episodes. So for those who don't understand that one, go back and listen to uh, previous episodes of the show. Um, insert plug here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to actually talk to podcasters because you help to make the whole thing so much more integrated um, and flowing. I, today, I mean, it's all one day where we registered this, recorded. So Ashley might not have heard um, Aiden's interview yet, or the fine. other way around. 
<laughs> Let's oh, just not I've tell heard it. plenty about the things. I know what's happened there. And <laughs> all I can say, if you guys haven't already listened to Aiden's episode, or my episode has some very interesting, bizarre moments, which you guys need to listen to. <laughs> Definitely. But um, so far, I have so much great information. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I knew we are not going to talk about the same things three times as we were a little bit worried. And that's why we do a one day year just to avoid to talk about the same things too much because we obviously would be tired about doing that. <laughs> yeah, Aiden is laughing big time there on his mute button. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> let's, let's go into, uh, did I ask the question already about, you know, who is actually learning to be magician? I mean, now we know a bit what you guys are doing with coaching, but who in your experience is learning to be a magician? Is it the introverts? Is it the extroverts? And why one or the other? Yes, this is a really interesting one. Like typically, um, I know Aiden doesn't fall into this category, but typically magic is seen as one of those things where a lot of introverted people do get into it. Um, and I think it's because it's easy to get into, especially when you're doing card tricks, you can watch something on YouTube, you can practice a silly little card trick in your room and you don't have to go out and mingle with people. But it also gives you the foundational confidence and the foundational communication skills, which you can then take and chat to people. So for like me, when I was growing up at school, someone with autism that struggles with communication, that used to struggle with with chatting to people that was always very nervous, wouldn't be able to create friendships at school. Having the ability to do something like that was transformative. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people like me do get into magic although Aiden doesn't fall into that category which is quite interesting yeah I mean it's it's kind of fun so as, as we've established for me magic is play magic is an opportunity to see the things that I'm learning and and see it just like psychology because now I I blend psychology in my, my magic tricks if you like they're not something to hide behind my magic tricks are what I'm trying to share that's what I'm trying to show you so I've had to naturally i've had to learn the performance skills and I, i'm naturally quite confident with people i'm naturally able to go and talk and things so the introversion that's not as true to me i mean I'm, i still feel i think it's hard to describe on the scale of introvert to extrovert because i think for some people it's clear but for other people it's a little bit fuzzy um, but I'm, I'm naturally much more extroverted so i think that's a big difference but it goes yeah. back to what we were saying, like work with other people, work with people that, that play in different ways and, and, and go from there. Yeah, which is actually funny coming of thinking. You said Ashley is the one which makes the networking. Uh, gathers everyone. Yeah. He leaves the autistic person to speak to people. I think that says everything about our business. <laughs> I will put it out there that he is very well connected and he he is very, very, very well respected in the industry. I'm not just saying it because I don't want to talk to magicians. I'm saying it because people actually respect Ashley because they know about him. They see what he does. People don't really know about me yet. They, they haven't seen what I do yet because I'm kind of hiding under the radar in that sense. So uh, I'm not just sending him into the slaughter. I'm going to get that on record. <laughs> uh, so, so probably we have to do you with the cats and the birds on the, sh on the shoulders. <laughs> in the costume, in the Sully costume with the, with the intricate... No, who knows? Well, we should make like a magician animation movie, like going really deep in the psychology of a magician and the path. But 
would be fun. Now, what I like what Ashley said. You, as an introvert, when you 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 can practice these these different skills of of card. Yeah, the card tricks is probably the first thing you start learning. I mean, that's another question I will have. And practice at home, and then you get better, and then you get like this confidence to connect with other people. How is it for an extrovert, um, which wants to basically play and show what he can? Are there many extroverts, or is like Aiden one of the yeah odd ones? I mean, I'm one of the odd ones anyway. Yeah. Yes, let's be fair. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I... I think it's really it's really hard to to strike a balance and work out what's what. I mean, for me, one of the um, so so I've got a, a talk that is called quite simply called the Secrets of Magic, and I, I run it every so often as a like a workshop, and I, I teach the practical psychological tips that I and techniques that I use when I'm actually reading minds for real. And one of them, the big things that the people are so shocked by is the fact that I've got a couple of key mindsets when I'm going into a situation and, and they're designed to get me into the right moment, ground me in the present moment so that I don't go off and try and be like, oh my God, look at me, I'm amazing. I just go and try and be that extroverted guy. No, I'm, it's not about me. It's never about me. Everything that I do is so that I can help other people and, and show other people and entertain other people. It's about the audience, not about me. So one of the big um, sort of mindsets, if you like, is that I'm about to go and do something impossible. I'm about to go and do something absolutely crazy. But I'm not doing it to, to just look good. I'm doing it to amaze and astonish them. And when you, I realize that every time I'm performing, whether I'm about to go out on stage or set up a show online or, a, or anything, it's like my job is to entertain them not to look amazing get myself in that position and i'm like right bam okay this is great uh, because otherwise you run the risk of becoming all consumed and going down that path that we spoke about earlier of just remembering all the high points and remembering all the successes and and you go down to that route and then when something doesn't work bam there's a big problem so that that for me anyway i'm only talking personally i can't speak for every extroverted magician on the planet but that's something that i practically do to try and stop any problems in that sense it sounds a lot like what I talked with Ashley about or Ashley with me. Um, you know, it's about putting the smile on the faces of, of, of your, not clients or customers, but, you know, spectators and uh, the people you're going to entertain. Have a lot of fun. That's also, also one of your words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun, exactly. it's, it's so important to remember that. So important. And I think, actually, I think, that we see an awful lot of performers that try and do it in for themselves and they try and try and get themselves all all big and, and on, on this sort of plinth on this platform that, uh, that looks amazing but it just doesn't sort of it just doesn't work for audiences and and they wonder why audiences don't like it yeah so there's i was gonna say i think that's why um some people out there when they hear magician they go oh gosh oh no and it's because they've had a negative experience with a magician because the magician comes up and is very either weird strange but not in my name we're, we're like the good weird um, but like weird is in that sense that they just care about being well known they just care about being look at me i'm this awesome guy i want to be famous i want to get a tv show i mean when we set up the successful mentalist we took applications on to um 
bring people into our school and like 90% of applications were literally people when we asked a question, what's your big dream within magic? It was, oh, I just want to get on TV. And we're like, okay. And it's so fascinating to see how many people think like that. They think just because they're an entertainer, they can get on TV and that's their big aim, their big mission. They're they're so self-centered and just focused on, I want to be famous. I want to be famous. I want to be well-known, but maybe that's a, that's a community problem because that's all they see and all they know. And they think that's what they want, but and this is something which we're trying to change again. They don't actually know what they want. They don't have a vision. And they think that is their their vision. And I think that's going back to my point why a lot of people look at magicians and just think, oh, you're a bit rubbish. You're just self-centered. Whereas a lot of times when we go out and perform, when people say to us, oh, I don't like magic. And they actually see something from us. They go, oh, well, <laughs> that wasn't what I assumed. I assumed he was just a... Uh, some ego freak that only cares about getting your Netflix series and they actually have time because we care about putting smiles on faces. We care about them. We care about the actual experience. We know what we want to achieve within our careers. Whereas other people, it is just focusing on what they think they want, which is being on telly. But realistically, there's another mission which they could follow. And and again, this is just something which we're trying to open up and get people to to find through our courses and products, really. That brings me actually to the question, um, you know, tips for a good performance, right, as a magician or entertainment in general. I think the first big, the first big thing is if you're if you're not confident with communication and public speaking, that has to be the number one skill. It's perhaps the biggest fear on the planet for for most people they're scared of giving a a meeting at work or or talking to somebody new or talking in front of an audience or or going because look you get to this position in magic that you can go up and do stage shows awesome you need natural public speaking skills if you're going to talk to an audience of a thousand people but at the same time you need elevated performance skills and presentation skills in the context of public speaking if you're at an event at a party at a wedding where you are literally the professional interrupter you have to go and interrupt conversation and say hey look at this card trick that i've got it's more impressive and more interesting than the conversation that you've had because oh yeah no i know that you've not seen each other for for two years oh wow that's amazing well is it the ace of spades it's like you have to be good at public speaking to go and interrupt people and actually get them on your side. You have to, you can't not. Oh, 100%. And I, I would say, um, if anyone's interested, uh, we have a great podcast episode on that from the amazing Eric Edmeads. Uh, if you want to go search for the successful mentalist, Eric Edmeads, uh, he's dropped all of his amazing public speaking skills on there, which is awesome. Yeah, we, we're definitely going to link to that one. That That's the one I listened to. Um, I was just thinking while Aiden was talking, like, look at me, look at me. I'm so much more interesting with the spades of whatever uh, than the bride. <laughs> so. It's true, but the, you, we laugh and we joke and, and we've been there and that's why we can have these jokes and why both me and Ashley can take the mick out of magicians and stuff because we've done that. We've made that mistake. And it, it really is. It's such a big thing. And the worst bit is that most people don't even realize it's a problem. People think that that's what they're paid to do because that's what their friends or their network do or have told them or led them to believe that it's a, what it's about. And as a result, it's always look at me. Oh, my gosh, I'm amazing. And then 
it's kind of pinned for extroverts. It's like, oh, here's a perfect opportunity for people to watch and appreciate me. I'm going to do these magic tricks. And for introverts, it's like, oh my gosh, now I've got something to hide behind. So okay, let's go out and look at me and, and look at the magic tricks because it's not about me. It's about the magic tricks. It's like, oh, go and, go and look at this card trick. It's, it's not about me, but I'm getting attention. And that makes me feel good. That makes me feel appreciated. That makes me feel valued and loved and all of this stuff. When actually... We're just doing the same thing, funneling down the same path, getting that attention, that ego boost that we need, regardless of whether we're introverted, extroverted, all for the sake of a, of a, of a trick. And it just it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. It's yeah, it's one thing to to be able to do magic and, and do it, but it's another thing entirely to do it well. I think there's also another tip as well. There's, there's one more, and I, I think this is a really important thing for both people in the performance industry, but also anyone looking to take their, their hobby to, to business and, and hobby to fruition and as an income source. And it's, it's what we've said throughout, and it's what we've kind of implied in both our podcast episodes, and it's what we always say time and time again. It's like knowing the actual reason why you want to do something. I mean, if I tell you um, an interesting conversation I had, um, we spoke in my episode about how I got into this and how I... I started performing more and how I performed at uh, the the magic bar um, that, I, that I used to perform quite a bit. At. And um, I say used to, because there's a plague in the UK at the moment. So they're currently <laughs> shut. And uh, I remember when I got that, and as I said in the, the podcast episode, my employees at the time said, Oh, you can't, you can't be performing there as well as having this job. And I, I listed off all the problems and negativity that came from that. And I remember sat with the director of the company and he was saying, what I don't want you to do, Ashley, is fall into the trap that most people do when they bring up a hobby. And he described a story of his brother-in-law. He said, my brother-in-law is obsessed with motorbikes. So he quit his job and he, uh, he set up a company to fix motorbikes. Well, a year later, he regretted it. He thought it was the most boring thing on the planet. And that's it. Now he doesn't have a job. And I was sat there at the time thinking, screw you, I'm going to do what I want. But actually, he made a lot of sense with what he was saying. So many people jump into just doing their hobbies as a job, thinking that's the thing they want to do. But they probably jump a little bit too soon without the knowledge of why they want to do it. So as Aidan said, bringing up a big North Star, a big MTP, or even if you just have a kind of foundational reason why you want to actually do the thing, and you've got that drive, you've got that purpose, you've got that motivation, that unlimited motivation to get you to do the thing you want to do, then that will hold you in shape. Because too often than not, literally people will go into this will go into a career go into a hobby or in self-employment whatever entrepreneurship and it's literally just it becomes the office job they always hated because they don't know the direction they want to take it they don't know where they want to take their career where they want to go from there you've got to start with purpose you've got to start with understanding what you want and it links back to what we said about magicians aiden all magicians nowadays, and from literally our applications, 90% of our application we had, all magicians seem to want is, I want to be on telly. That's not enough. What do you actually want? Why are you doing this? And this goes with every business, every person looking to start a, uh, a new career, uh, uh, every entrepreneur. You've got to understand that foundational calling. And when you understand that, then you're not going to fall into the same pitfalls as everyone else falls into. Yeah. You know, you know where it, that the problem is, and, and the part of the problem actually lies. And it's in it's in the goal setting process. 
when people try and set goals, we look at what other people have done or what other people, similar people have done. They, oh, that'd be good. I'll use that. That's my goal. Oh, my, uh, I know this magician and he's, he's got on TV. Well, that's awesome. Oh, I know about Dynamo. Dynamo's a really great magician. Oh, he's been on telly for several series. I must be able to get a television series. That's my goal now to get landed. To, and it's all problematic because it's built up off of um, sort of the societal beliefs in terms of goal setting like a new year's resolution for example there are like two or three main new year's resolutions that people tend to set and it's like oh i want to get fit and oh i want to eat better and get healthy and uh, not smoking uh, yeah yeah like it's always big huge crazy things and it's like why do you have to wait until january the first to to start doing it and then stop trying not to or stop doing it or whatever fall out of the resolution by day five why why do you have to do this every year and it's because it's part of the goal setting process we're told to set goals this way. We're told to set goals by just picking a thing and doing it. And then at January, you pick New Year's resolution. I hate New Year's resolutions. My only New Year's resolution is to never set a New Year's resolution because it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work because it hasn't got that purpose, that why, that higher calling. But ultimately, it's because the goals haven't been set with the user in mind. And that's that's why I'm, I'm huge. I've got a really clear goal setting process and it involves deep reflection, deep, deep, deep reflection, not just on your previous year, but your life overall in, in all of the, the possible categories in every single way and, and reflection on yourself and your past experience with goal setting. Because when you do that, you bring to the table more information about you and what you want than anybody could ever tell you. Because you know your strengths, your weaknesses, you know your areas of focus and and weaknesses again you know all of this stuff so that when you set goals you can think right okay maybe i do want a television series but i want a television series because of this it will support these things and because it plays to my strengths so what is the television series about well rather than me saying oh i want a television series because dynamo had one or another magician had one instead i want a television series that allows me to do this I want to do this on television because it clicks with so many places and you bring to the table something new. And actually you're more likely to land the TV deal. You're more likely to write the book when it resonates with you because you've done that reflection and that deep work. So that's, that's the problem. It's always just pick a goal, go with it. And actually there's much more to it. Effective goal setting is, it's not taught anywhere. It's, no one knows it. it. It it just reminds me of one of the interviews I had, which isn't, production <laughs> in the one-man production i am <laughs> with an author and she also said something about being an author writing a book could be a hobby like you say and then you're like i'm gonna write but if you do not know why you do it what for it's gonna be like the hard job as i think she even took the same example like it's gonna be like the office job and it's gonna be hard to actually finish the book but if you do it full of passion and because it brings you joy it will be easy. Even if you write for one or two years on that book. Yeah. You know what? I was speaking to um, a TV executive from um, a TV channel in America, A&E or somewhere like that. And um, she was going through her process of creating documentaries. And, uh, and it's really interesting to see it from other creatives' minds. And she said, you know, when I create a documentary, I barely make any money off it. It cost me what? if I'm lucky and don't overspend about 200,000 to put a documentary together, I just about make my money back. Sometimes we make enough to make a little bit extra. I don't do it for money. 
I do it because I enjoy the process. Yeah, it might take me four years to create a documentary. And in fact, she gave an example of a documentary she made, which went on Netflix and then Amazon Prime and then on uh, the regular Telebox. And um, and she said the only reason why she does it because she enjoys it. She knows exactly what she wants to do. She's passionate not about the documentaries that she um, the the actual process of making documentaries, but she's passionate about the documentary she's creating. The only reason why she's making those documentaries is because she believes in them. <laughs> she likes the actual process and she wants to share a message and share a thing within those documentaries. And and when you become crystal clear on all of that, then you have so much more fun because at the end of the day, money is irrelevant, right? We we don't need a piece of paper or a bit of metal. It's just a thing. I'd, you'd much rather live a life full of, of passion and happiness and fun rather than fill a life of pain working in an office and you've got a bank account full of numbers that, that means nothing when you die you're just going to be end up with um just a, a boring old life with a big bank account and there's what, what's the point no one wants that it's far better to die and like you said Aiden, if you're on your deathbed and think oh what a great life and uh, yeah, it's, it's really insightful. I've spoken to a lot of creatives and they, the successful ones, they always think like this. They always have a, a higher calling. They always have a higher purpose. They they know what they want to achieve. And, and that's probably why they're successful because they're not put off by the pain. They're not put off by the misery because they know that there's, there's something that they're reaching for. Yeah, I mean, what you said, uh, I do not remember exactly the context, but when you know where you're going and when you're crystal clear, about your purpose, right? Your soul's contract, whatever you want to go, if you want to go spiritual, mystical. This doesn't mean, oh, when you listen to your heart, right? Uh, Pablo Coelho, right? It, it was a Gaia documentary on the heart with heart math and Ecotoli and so on. Uh, Deepak Chopra was also shortly there. And, and Coelho said something. He always knew he wants to be a writer. And his first book was when he was 40. I'm like, what? I'm 43 soon. Hmm. Right. That just, you know, talking to you young lads here <laughs> puts me sometimes like, wow, at that age, Jesus, what did I know? Um, but he said, open your heart and really following your, your passion, really following who you think you are, because he also broke out of the rules and, and what his parents wanted. Went to a university, did something he didn't want. He said, it doesn't make you suffer free, right? It, it, there will be still suffering and still hardship and still work, but it will be much more pleasant because you know what you're doing. Um, and just to, to round it up here, because now I know we, we can talk three hours. <laughs> well, I, I asked you the tips for a good performance, right? And I think we're still at that question somewhat, uh, even if the listeners might have lost it. <laughs> through all the talk but but one thing Aiden said is what's the communication right not to to go in and say I don't care that you haven't seen yourself for three years and how great the bride is and all these things it's like how to come in and just get your intention without you know being an asshole <laughs> or being self-centered and, and, and you mentioned a lot about when you know why you're doing this magic tricks why you're a performer a singer a comedian I, I I talk now about birthday parties and weddings and, and these kind of events where other people are more important than you. You're the professional, what did you say? Um, a professional interrupter. <laughs> professional interrupter. Yeah, you, you're hired by ABB and Siemens, right? The electric interrupters. 
another cheap sponsoring here. Uh, we're still waiting for the sponsors for the clear see-through pencil. Clear see-through pencils, intravenous coffee, Monsters Inc., some weird garden shed environmental thing. And now we're here. This is it. Sponsors are open. If anybody does want to sponsor this, this podcast, this wonderful podcast, please get in touch with Oliver and uh, we'll arrange that deal. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go back to, to the show uh, after this little intervention here. So when you have enough confidence in why you're doing this performance, uh, you have the goal setting, then it's easier to communicate, I guess, on these events without interrupting rudely. Uh, what was the other tip for a good performance? Did I miss... Yeah, I mean, it's mainly just the communication skills. What I spoke about was actually having the drive behind you to actually set you up as a performer that's not going to go out there and just treat each performance as a day job. Because if you set your foundations, you set your clear path, then you're not going to go out there feeling drained, feeling meh, like a lot of performers do. It's just another job. Like I said, entrepreneurship often turns into the office job. The same for performers, magicians, musicians. You've got a clear path that's going to help your performance in general because you seem happier you seem more fulfilled and that will display through your body language let me get from through the whole day interview and for the people for the last two weeks <laughs> and today you guys want to put smiles on the faces of of the audience and and i think that's a good drive right is is that the drive you're talking about it, it's yeah it's a real fundamental element we're, we're, we're trying to help other people and make other people's lives better even if it is just a bit of escapism and a smile at the bare bones minimum yeah yeah let, let's go because of um your interview of uh <laughs> eric Medius or whatever I, eric Edmonds. Admits, um, he was talking about storytelling and ma magic performance. And yeah, what? How can you summarize it here in this episode? You know, I think the easiest way to sort of tell good stories is to actually feel the stories, understand the stories, know why you're telling the stories in the first place and for in in the case of magic well all we do is tell stories we just don't realize that that's what we're doing for a lot of the time like if i tell you that your card is going to vanish and mysteriously appear in the other side of the room we've opened up a story i'm telling you the story of what's about to happen because people remember that and people remember stories and that's why people they when you they talk to you about oh my gosh i saw this amazing magician he he made me sign my card and then it appeared on the ceiling they, they can tell you this stuff because they remember the stories. They remember all of the details. They remember the emotions. They remember all of these elements. And that comes through just being able to clearly do what it is and communicate effectively what it is. Like I, I've had so many other people like laymen and, and people that have tried to book magicians. They've said, oh yeah, we've booked magicians in the past. And yeah, they've been pretty good. Uh, people seem to like them. And I thought already, well, this is a bit of a wobble. This isn't a good start. Like people seem to like, like, no, you should know this. If you've paid for a magician in the past, you should know if they're good or not. Um, so, so we've asked the questions and thought, oh yeah, what did the magician do? And it's like, oh, um, you know, I, if, if I'm honest, I can't remember. I was like, oh, some, yeah, he was doing some card tricks and stuff. 
oh, right. So what you're telling me is that you have no idea what the magician did. You've defaulted to card tricks because that's what we believe magic to be. And essentially they didn't communicate their story well enough to a point that you could remember it, feel the emotions associated with it and get excited going forwards. Is that correct? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So, which will then bring me into the question half again is like how to keep your audience attention or how to actually also for for a good performance how do you start your performance how do you end i, I guess on, on a wedding if you're like all evening there you will do a bit of trick here a bit of trick there and a bit of trick there i do not know i haven't really experienced um a magician on a, on a wedding or something like that but if you have if you're on a stage or ashley in front of zoom google meet whatever you know how do you start a good performance what is the middle part and how do you end it and i can see the storytelling is one part if, if you're just a magician and you just play your tricks but you're not really communicate as we said before you, you lose the audience so how do you keep the attention so they're not going on their facebook bathroom or talk with the guy next to them yeah i think you know this 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 boils down into two things you've got the basic tips which are quite simply diversity and change making yourself different like throughout the performance you're not just speaking in a monotone voice and it's all very much the same there's there's that variety there the change the, and maybe you might have a subtle variety in the performance something which makes people go oh hang on a minute as well not just doing a, a magician might just do a trick a trick a trick a trick a trick but if you watch like a musician present themselves if you watch a play everything flows into one there's a nice narrative a nice story it kind of makes sense you know, as well, connecting with your audience. We spoke about not just being this egocentric person that only cares about themselves, actually caring and, and caring about your audience, caring what they feel. So actually being genuine, talking to them and wanting to see them have a good time because that will lead you to interacting with them. You'll have eye contact. You'll be asking them about themselves. You'll be having fun. And finally, that final point, which I say is you'll be having fun if you genuinely care, if you do all of this. So you've got the basic stuff. You can you can tell good stories. You can feel emotion. You can have good eye contact. You can vary, vary your performances. You can you can put it all together. But mainly like the last thing of any performer, like you've got to have fun. Isn't that like the one main point? What makes it a good performance? You as a performer having fun, because if you don't have fun, your audience won't have fun. But if you do have fun, then you're confident, you're there, you're enjoying yourself, you're natural. Everything lines up, you know what you want to do, you're doing it because you've got this higher calling, you've not lost motivation, and you're then able to express and share the fun, the energy, and an actual emotional story with your audience as well. And that, I think, is what's going to captivate their attention. You know, there's, there's something that you've picked up on there that I kind of just want to touch on and then just reference another point. But we spoke we've spoken a lot about it in terms of making it about them actually caring about them that really for me it comes down to two points to to keep an audience engaged and uh, the attention where it needs to be well the audience needs to feel appreciated and remember that it comes down to the mindset thing of you're doing the tricks and you're doing the magic you're doing the mentalism because it's about them not about sort of you it's not about your tricks it's about them so every decision that you make should be consciously to make their experience better and when you make their experience better and you focus on giving them a good experience, a whole new world opens up. And this is what Ashley is so, so good at. When I see him perform, I absolutely love watching him perform because every decision that he makes within his magic and his mentalism is purely for his audience. He changes his show 
only because it's going to help make the experience better for his audience. Not because he wants to do a new trick or, or because he wants to try something new. It's always made consciously because of the audience. And, uh, and the second point I really want to keep super quick is just actually be good at what you do. It, it's really as simple as that. If you want to keep people's attention and keep people engaged, you actually have to be good at what it is that you do because no one wants to watch a boring magician doing the same card trick 50 times a night. Like, no, no one wants to see that. People want to see something interesting, something actually interesting that's worth putting their attention and their time and their, their energy into because they know they're going to get something out. So for me, they're the two. Do it for them and be good. Awesome. I mean, there's so much information. Let's uh, be respectful for Ashley. Uh, this time he has not to go to the bathroom, but has another meeting. <laughs> so we learned a lot in this interview. I don't even know. Yeah. What do you remember? We talked about <laughs> you call for magicians. I mean, we talked about, you know, like be stupid and how to change like your offer from uh, the coaching we talked about the communication skills uh, how to perform who is actually going into magic and, and what you get out of it um yeah as we said identity shift creative brain uh, all kind of things so to round it up what are you guys actually offering with the successful magician i mean we got probably everything a bit in in this talk but to just have some bullet points for the people which stayed so long with us. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just uh, what we're offering is a fresh perspective on an age-old hobby that really is to just shift the mindsets of those people who have those old views, those old ways of thinking. We want to see people do well. We want to see people live the lifestyles they want to lead, lead doing the hobbies that they want to do. In essence, that's all we're trying to do. It boils down to our MTP to improve the quality of life for magicians around the globe by 2040. And, and that's quite simply it. And you do that by what are the offers? That's like a podcast, that's a blog post, that's... All of the above, yeah. You're absolutely nailing it there. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on all the social medias. We share uh, stuff on, on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube as well. Um, we, we're bloggers, we're, we're podcasting. Uh, we've got some courses. We've got our own private community specifically for magicians completely off of Facebook because it's just more conducive to learning. It's our new social learning investment. So basically what we're saying here is we built an entire new social media just for magicians, totally free to join uh, and come and actually connect with other people but yeah i mean that there's so much we've got a ton of free ebooks as well that that can help people and we're always trying to find new ways of delivering value to other people it's innovation at its finest it's what we do we're just trying to do more for you people also, you do also coaching right and yeah. you've had the con convention you said yeah we buying? run conventions we do coaching, we do courses, we do group, group coaching, we do individual coaching. And to give you a final wrap up answer tonight, we have a brand new networking event that we've put together for entertainers and magicians to come together to reconnect and recalibrate their friendships so they can co-elevate together. And, and we put this event on for free because it's what needed in the community right now, especially in a time like this, to give those entertainers a, a chance to reconnect. 
um, and uh, and mix and mingle and and jam with uh, with everyone else. So yeah, no, we 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 run so much, we do so much, but it's all to hit that big target, and that's why we do a lot. We're working faster. We're passionate about what we do, and that enables us to do so many things all at once. And where do the people find all these offers? TheSuccessfulMentalist.com. And if you want to join the uh, network, Community.TheSuccessfulMentalist.com. That's us. And you are Ashley Green <laughs> and Aiden O'Sullivan. Anything else you would like to add before we close this awesome day of so much information? Anything yeah, I forgot to ask? Anything else? You know, it'd be beautiful to hear your guys. Um, you, I'm talking to you guys, the listeners right now, who who braved it through the entire length of this. It'll be beautiful to hear your thoughts on this. And and if you've got anything you want to talk about further, if you've got any any positive messages or or anything where you've taken this from this episode, you've you've taken some of the information and you've applied it in your life to change your life for the better. And please do let me and Aiden know. Reach out to us on social media. Reach out to us through our websites, whatever. Come find us and come tell us your stories, your transformations, your your questions. And find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Aiden the Wizard and Ashley Green Mind Reader. That's us. Aiden, anything to add? I'll be honest. I think Ashley's just taken the responsibility from now on of doing all of the call to actions for the Successful Mentalist podcast. So there you go. Nothing, nothing to add just please do reach out get in touch email us info at the successful mentalist.com find us there do go come find us come and support us we'll love you as much as you love us if you love us <laughs> oh how can we not after all this great talk with that i tell you to the listeners thank you for me it has been a very long day for the listeners you will receive this podcast over the period of three weeks two weeks actually right and click that subscribe button at the successful mentalist the oliver shira show and shoot and point uh, point and shoot <laughs> the stop existing show <laughs> the stop existing show um thank you actually for that and yeah leave a review with that have a great morning afternoon or good night Hello again, here at the end of the show. I hope you really enjoyed this interview I had today with my guest. And if you do so, please go, if you have not done that already, and subscribe to my podcast on whatever platform you are listening to. Put some star ratings or thumbs up or whatever you can, hearts I've seen somewhere, and leave a, a review, a comment about the episode. And if you have some direct messages for me, you can also do that directly on anchor.fm slash shirach, S-C-H-I-R-A-C-H, as uh, in the form of a voice message. You can also send me an email on o uh, uh, shirach, like for Oliver Shirach, o shirach in one word, uh, at gmail.com, um, or reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, And I love to get some feedback. Tell me what you love about the show. Tell me what is not so good because we all want to improve and I want you to have the best experience. Perhaps you also want to be on the show or you know someone else that could be really fun to be interviewed by me. With that, 
Thank you very much and have a great day. Oh, go sleeping now. It's time. Your eyes are heavy. <laughs> See you then. Bye-bye.